Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy, what are you doing this week? Um, back from a week off. It feels nice. like we haven't we ha- it feels like we haven't talked for three or four weeks. Um, maybe that's because I had a break where I didn't. I only well, I pulled my computer out, but not for work. So it, Megan and I uh, went to Kansas, where she's from, and visited some friends in a community called Lake Quivira, and just hung out there with them. Played tennis, played golf poorly. Uh, sat on the lake. We did really well at sitting on the lake. In fact, that we were excellent at that. The golf people can question whether we were even playing. But um, yeah, it was a good break. Uh, we have talked about burnout in recent episodes. I was not on the verge of burnout, but it was still nice to take a vacation. We had not really traveled for the summer. So this sure. was our kind of end of the summer, get some time out of the house kind of thing. How about you? Right. Uh, well, actually been fighting off an ear infection the past three or four days. Been a, been a real pain in the neck. Um, Ugh. Absolutely floored me. So, um, but getting better there. Um, and then last week we mm-hmm. actually, um, for Aspire EDU, I actually underwent a big change, and that's that's something I wanted to talk about today. Um, so we, uh, what we did for Aspire EDU was to this point, all our clients have been in one database, um, and when you go from when you start a company, you've got five clients, ten clients, twenty, forty, so on and so forth. Um, and that just expands. And as they all stay in one database, that just grows the size of your database. So we had been just continually just um, upgrading the size of the database we were using in Heroku. And I think we had finally reached the point where we had gone about as large as you should go. Um, there were There were databases we could have gone larger to within Heroku, but that would have only increased the um, the storage, it would not have increased the memory or the number of connections for the database. And where we were really, where we were starting to see a little bit of performance hit was in the number of connections and in the number of, um, and in the memory. Yeah. So we knew we had to make a change. Um, and we knew we had to make a change because here it is September, the start of fall semesters. Yeah. So at all the clients we'd added, over the summer, um, while we had um, started, while we had added them, we knew we hadn't seen the full uh, force of the number of students they could bring when the fall semester came. So um, while we were all away, we uh, at at the InstructureCon um, convention, we put together a plan um, to split those split the database up and um it made me nervous uh it it's one of those big changes that that i think it's okay to be nervous about um it 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 makes you nervous because you're like what if something goes wrong 
um, because we have we have an incredibly good uptime here. I got to find some wood to knock on. Yeah, um, we we have some incredibly good uptime to where we we are hardly ever down. Um, so we didn't want to go down, but we also knew we had to do something or else we were going to start to see real performance hits. If you told me that you were like, man, this is cool. Knock it out of the park. Not too worried about it. I would wonder about your sanity at that point in the chain. (laughs) This is not, I mean, I don't know any company unless you have no customers who would consider this a lightweight effort with low or low risk effort kind of thing. Right. And, and, the the thing the thing about it is all we're really doing is we're we're just copying databases and just pointing pointing the different clients to new ones. So, in essence, it's a fairly simple change, but it's also one that could go wrong. Um, yeah. And if you point them if you point them in the wrong ones, um, and then you start deleting all the old ones, all of a sudden you've you've really created a mess. Um, so we we went through it. Um, we we got to the point where all the work had been had been prepared. We we were looking to do it over a weekend, and then we noticed that the first weekend we were going to do it was Labor Day. Yeah. Um, and one of our developers was out of town. Um, the next weekend was that we had a developer out of town. So all of a sudden we couldn't do it over a weekend. Um, which was like, uh oh, now we're now we're even more in a pinch. Um, so we we sat there and and one Monday afternoon we did a dry run um, where we took everything w- that we were gonna do for the real thing and executed on it and just didn't execute that last step of mm-hmm. actually making the switch. That way we could come a- up with anything that we missed along the way. Um, I don't think we actually found any steps on the drive run. Um, turn around and on a Wednesday afternoon. So one of the things we had done in preparation was turn our service into read only mode. Yeah. Um, because we didn't, we had the ability to turn it into Django maintenance mode. Um, but that's, that's pretty ugly. Um, and, and not real stylized and, and just doesn't provide the service we wanted. What we really wanted was to just make it so that they couldn't write the, the clients couldn't write anything to the, to, to our services, um, so that we could be making all the database changes in the background. Most maintenance Um, messages by other companies, by a lot of companies, looks like we've gone out of business message. Every time I see that and I see it longer than without notifications or emails, I start searching for did so-and-so go out of business on Google? Like, because <laughs> there's a difference between we just turned the server off and we are graciously down for a small amount of time. And you can tell by the messaging sometimes like, oh, this is really temporary. But right. go ahead. Sorry. Right. No, that's okay. And, and because we prepared, we, we sent out notes ahead of time saying, Hey, we're, we're going to, uh, starting at 5 PM Eastern time on Wednesday, we're going to put our site into, into read only mode. You can still access all the services. You just won't be able to leave any notes because that's really all, that's really all the data that, that clients can write to our service or our notes on each student. 
So, um, so they, they still have 90% of the functionality, even in read only mode. Yeah. So, um, that, that was a good thing that we were able to execute on. So we, we turned it on Wednesday by five Oh five, the databases were copied. Um, by, <laughs> we, by, by about five fifteen five twenty, we had made all the changes to all the pointers, um, so that the clients went to the databases that we had set aside to do it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point it was, okay, let's, let's start checking. So we, we all started checking. Um, and what we failed to do in the first 20 minutes of checking was actually look at the URL that we were being directed to. We were just pulling up the client and seeing that, yes, the client's there and yes, all their data is there. Well, after we got about not quite halfway through the check, we were like, oh, wait a minute. We just copy databases. So even if they're pointed at the wrong one, it's still going to look like everything's there. So yeah. we had to start over on the check um, just to make sure that we were verifying that, yes, the URL is correct. That is headed the right place. So, um, but that was, that, that was really the most significant thing that happened to us was we checked the wrong thing um, at the start. Uh, other than that, we checked everything. Everything was good. We flipped the switch. Um, the, the So at that point, we were still in read-only mode, and we had said once we turn read-only mode off, that's the point of no return. Yeah. At that point, we're done. We're, uh, anything that goes wrong, we're pretty much committed to, and we're just going to have to fix whatever's wrong at that point. So we did a, a check around the table. Everybody was good, um, and we, we by about six o'clock about an hour later we we flipped read only own mode off and we were done um so it went extremely smoothly um the big part of our of our processing day is from about midnight eastern time till about 6 a.m eastern time we'll go through and pull clients data yeah um, that's when we pull all the data so that was the next step was okay is all that gonna work uh, in theory, all that should work and there shouldn't have been any issues with it. Um, but again, it's one of those things of, we just have to watch it. So sure enough, come midnight, we, we'd split one database into three total. So we had left, we'd left some clients on the original and then created two more. Um, sure enough, come midnight, the original worked. One of the copies worked. And the second copy wasn't doing anything. Hmm. It was just sitting there. So, um, so then it's like, okay, we got to figure this out. What's going on? So we, we started working through it and what we think ended up, no, not what we think, what we know ended up happening was our rabbit MQ server. Um, we didn't have the right plan on it. Mm-hmm. So it overloaded memory wise and it decided it wasn't going to do any of the messages that came through. It was just going to yeah. sit there and choke on. So, which is fine. That's, that's what it's supposed to do when it overloads. So we up the plan on all the rabbit and Q servers and it ran like a, ran just fine. So let me, so is this, can I jump in with a, some Yeah, questions? that's, that's the end of the story. That's how, that's oh, okay. how easy it all was. Well, now is the fun part. The second guessing from the people that are just looking, that just heard a five minute story of your project. 
Um, I think the thing, the, the first question, I'll phrase it this way. At no point did you, did I hear the terms dev, dev environment, staging environment, production environment. Sure. So that's where when people talk about big changes on an application that's being used by customers, that's the first thing I start talking about. Right. And so why, like, talk about that. Sure. So we, we do have dev environments and, and, and staging environments and all that. What we don't have is we don't use our full client base for, for those environments um, because that, that those are, that's just too much to be using. Um, we were not, again, that what, what I described was we copied the database and then we changed some pointers. So we had run that test on that, on that part of that run through, we had run that test on the staging environment um, to make sure that would work just fine. Um, so that's so, the answer to that is we had run, we had run those tests on, on the staging environment. So let me, so then I have a question about your comment, we can't put all of our clients on a staging environment because, and I've been in this same boat too, but the way I look at staging is I can, I can build it up to a complete copy of production all the time and I can tear it down to nothing that represents production most of the time because I don't need it. I don't need to look at it that long. But I've gone through the clients where the staging environment monthly cost was identical to production for a month or two. And they were like, why is this going up? Price is going up. And I'm like, well, we need to match exactly the, the data, the memory, the plans so that we really have identical, but don't worry. Once we launch, we're tearing this down back to the one third of the cost hosting for the staging environment. And so I, I now I for a while I don't know why I felt this way. My I was in the same I felt the same way that you did of like well we can't afford two production two identical production environments all the time. But when you use these um, providers like Heroku and Engine Yard and stuff, you can ramp up things temporarily, and you don't really they don't care if you tear it down. The whole idea is build up, tear down all the time. So that's the that's my reaction to the statement. We can't host everything on stage. We can't match production on staging, but I don't know. Well, it's circumstances it's, it's are different. Cost, it's cost. And then there's also privacy concerns. Okay. Um, so we certainly, what we can't do is we can't replicate our Australian clients in our normal staging environment because yeah. You have to store Australian data and, um, in Australia. So yeah. our production environment is set up that way, and our Australian staging environment is set up that way to store all that data over in Australia. Yeah. Um, we also have some clients when, as part of their security review, they're like, "Well, how many? How do you store our 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 data, our students' data, um, and how long do you retain it for, and things like that?" So. Um, we have demo environments that we use for most of our, our most of our test work. 
um, and that that's not tied to any specific student. Um, it's not a perfect test, but it's a great test. It, it's a good test of, of what we do. Um, so I, yes, cost is one concern, but there are other concerns. Um, it, when, when I was working with, um, Blue Shield of California, HIPAA was another concern, yeah. um, to where if you use, if you use production data, you had to anonymize it, which is another major project to anonymize data. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we were. And that's, that's why you can't always replicate production in staging. You do your best um, and you, you replicate the things that seem most important. Um, but I don't know that I need 200 clients worth of data sitting on my staging environment. Yeah. Uh, it, if well, I, if also I replicate the, the, the functionality. I mean, I think the answer is that, yes, you could do it. You could also take a month or two of developer time to handle that and all the privacy concerns. Like there's a matter of company scale with how much can you match staging to production given privacy and other regions and stuff like that. So it's a valid reason of like, we can't, there are other than it's not just cost or price of money. It's, Hey, it'll take significant time to have a comparable data set that is, that is safe to use in staging. And that's the valid reason not to have a complete match. Um, so then on the testing, like as even the, on a small scale, you didn't have the last, you didn't, you, you weren't able to do the last minute, um, like hit the button, but on staging, like this is what's going to happen. Boom. Where, what do we, how do we see things? Like that's kind of my next question is how far do you go on staging to flip that switch so that when you do on production, it's almost like there should be no difference here. We've already flipped the switch like six or seven times. Yeah. And, th- and that's what we did. That, that was part of the whole drive run was, was doing a lot of that in staging, um, co- duplicating the databases, copying the databases and then changing the pointers in staging. Yeah. Um, and then, and then doing some of those checks to make sure they all pointed the right way. So that, I would say that's more of the development effort. So that was more when we were writing the script that was going to change all the pointers. Yeah. That's where it got tested was right there in staging. And by the time it was ready, he had run it, run tests quite a few times to go, yeah, this is going to work exactly as we anticipated. And it did. Did you have any contingency plans, not written or like formal and more of like, had you all discussed when you cross the point of no return, but you're like, "Uh Oh, we have to return. (laughs) Did you discuss any scenarios where if this doesn't go right, what do we do? Did you have those discussions? So we did uh, really the, the, because we did it at night, um, there weren't going to be, so I, uh, as I said, the only thing that, that is written to our service from the client side are notes, um, that the, the advisors will write. So 
while it was a point of no return once we turned off the read-only switch, if at some point along that route, until maybe the next morning, we decided something gone horribly wrong, we could have reverted back to the single database. Yeah. And what we would have lost was anybody that put any notes in from 6 p.m. Eastern time to um, to whenever we, we pushed it back, which wouldn't have been great. We wouldn't have loved it. Um, clients would have lost some of those notes. Um, and we probably would have run a query to pull all the notes that we could find um, and see if we could reinsert them um, afterwards. So we had plans. Um, I think for the most part, because because of the way our system runs, whenever anything happens, we, we are usually able to figure out, um, figure out the problem and get it working. So I, I wasn't too concerned. Once we verified that everything was pointing the right place, I wasn't too concerned that we were going to have to completely revert everything. Yeah. Um, at that point, it was more a case of, okay, we may have to fix one of the three while the other two are gone. And that, that was the other major win in all this is not only did we get to split the database and, and reduce the, reduce the burden on a single database. If in processing something goes horribly wrong now um, to where it just completely locks up, it's now only locking up a select portion of the clients instead of everybody because yeah. now everybody's not on the same database. And this is only the first cut of this we're going to take where we're, we've got something more elegant to where we're going to be able to, if we choose to move every client to their own database. Um, but that took more development effort that we weren't ready for in the fall. Um, so it, that's going to be a major win because then if something goes wrong, it's only going to, it's only going to affect a handful of clients, whereas the rest of them are going to be untouched and continue running. Yeah. So um, that, that was the other win that we just haven't even seen the benefits of yet, but we will see that at some point, I'm sure. So on the non-tech side of sorts, who, who else knew about this change from a, hey, we're going to be undergoing a maintenance kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Like, who did you make sure they knew about this upcoming? Outside the company? Inside and outside. Non-technical. Okay. You had developers and yourself. I'm just right. asking. I'm, so, I'm asking. I'm not challenging. I'm asking just yeah. kind of in a, in a scenario sense. Who did you make sure you notified? Uh, so, so the first thing we did was once we were ready, um, and once we we once we on the development team had decided about when we wanted to do it, I ran it by the CEO. I said, "Here's all the things that can go wrong." Well, first off, I said, "Here's what we're doing. Here's here's yeah. the list of things we're doing. Here's all the things that can go wrong. Ninety nine percent of those things that can go wrong." If they go wrong, they'll go wrong before we reach the point of return. So we'll just hit the reset button. We'll do it another day. Or we'll try again that night until we run out of time that night. So the vast majority of anything that could go wrong, we can just start over and no harm, no foul. The only harm being that we've been in read-only mode. Yeah. Um, 
there's a small chance that after we reach that point of no return, something will go wrong. And then that's, it's about the same chance as if we hadn't made this major change, something went wrong on our, on our software. Yeah. Um, and in that case, we just solve it. We just figure it out. That's what we've always done. Um, and so I, I had to, I had to answer some, some hard questions from her about, about what the, uh, about the preparation we had done so that she felt comfortable because she wasn't comfortable. We, we weren't going forward with it. Yeah. Um, she, at the end of the day, she's the one that, um, talks to all the clients. So she, she had to answer to them if something goes wrong. So she, she had to be comfortable else we weren't going forward. Yeah. So once she was comfortable, she crafted a note to everyone. And that was the note that we said, Hey, we're going to be in read only mode for this period of time. Um, you won't be able to write any notes. Um, we're doing it in order to make some changes on our end. And we weren't really all that specific on what we were doing. Um, cause we didn't see the need to be, um, but other than that, that's pretty much everything we had done um, was we, we, we let the CEO know um, and then she in turn turn around and let the clients know. And that's that was pretty much all we needed to do. And, and that's essentially what you need to do on any of these changes. You need to let management know and you need to let your end users know. Um, there's even question on some changes if you even need to let the end users know. Yeah. Um, we, we release things all the time where we don't tell the, the end users that anything's hat changing. Um, we're, we're on a continuous release cycle. So we change things all the time. Um, most of them being things that the clients won't notice. Um, if they are things the clients will notice, then it's a feature that we, we shout from the mountaintops. Yeah. yeah. We've added. Um, but otherwise if it's internal, we just make the change and we continue on. Here's a here's a sidebar um, question of sorts. How did you are you still using databases on Heroku or did you go external? We're still on Heroku right now. Yeah. Um, and that this is what, uh, what I talked about about eventually getting to the point where we might even be able to get down to one database per client. That's part of that's part of our grander plan. Yeah. Of getting potentially getting off Heroku. We haven't made that decision yet. Um, I still am a firm believer in a lot of the benefits that Heroku gives us. Um, and, and we pay for it, but they, 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 they also act as kind of a DevOps shop as well. So how, how many DevOps people do you have on staff? Yeah. Zero full-time dedicated DevOps people. That's so, huge. <laughs> yeah. So so having Heroku is big. So we're still we're still wrestling with where the next step is. Um, we have a lot of internal discussions on. Um, we're looking at Docker Kubernetes that that path, but again, that's that's assuming a lot of burden. Um, yeah. And I'd I'd much rather take that intermediate step of what you said, which is everything's on Heroku but the databases. Right. Yeah. And, and we, we move the databases off on their own. And then we've assumed a little more burden, but not a lot. So th- there's there's something to be said there as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I, Heroku pricing on everything seems reasonable to me. The databases 
is where they punch you in the in the face. Well, the, but the, the, but even those, even the databases are okay until you cross a certain threshold. Yeah, and and once you get to a, a certain size, then it's like, oh, okay, that's a big that's a big one. And and we had to do that a couple of times over the past couple of years. We'd hit a, we'd hit the middle of fall. We'd get so big, and we'd be like, yeah, we need to go ahead and crank it up the next step. Um, which was fine. And that's, that's why we did things the way we did them was so we could do all that. Yeah. But I think we're going to aim for non Heroku databases and leaving everything else on, on Heroku for now. Yeah. Makes sense. So then on the overall subject of making big changes, related to this, what, what did you learn yourself about your the process you all went through that you may do different next time? Um, you didn't have a, you didn't have a disaster scenario where you're like, oh, we have so much to learn from this. But what were your takeaways in general? Sure. So what I what I think we did was, and and, and I'm going to I'm going to accept the burden of, of responsibility for all these things. So if I'm sounding critical at all, it's it's things I forgot. Um, mm-hmm. So so this is all on me. We we did do a dry run. Um, we did have in mind what that dry run, uh, what steps we took during that dry run. What we failed to do was actually write it down, write down each step yeah, and have everybody review each step and go, yes, those are the steps we're taking. Um, I only mention it because the, when, when the developers made their dry runs, uh, they actually each made their own dry run. They each made assumptions and did it differently. Okay did the dry runs differently. So we came to a point where um, during our, during, during our actual go time, there was an announcement made that we were ready to turn off read only mode and, and pass the point of no return. And this was before we had even checked all the pointers. And that's because somebody had made an assumption that that's when we were going to go off read only mode was after we'd copied the databases, not after we had checked yeah. all the pointers. I'm not sure why that assumption was made, but that's an assumption somebody made. So yeah. we had all, we had all gone through dry runs, but we, we had failed to agree on the steps. And that to me, it was such an obvious miss and I'm not sure how we missed it. Um, but we, it was something we were able to, work out uh, in flight um, and go, wait, no, we really don't have to go turn off read only mode now. And, and the, the, the reason they wanted to do it was they were trying to get out of read mode only mode quicker so that there was less impact to clients. And we were like, no, we're, we're good. We're not, there's no need to be in too big a rush here. Um, so that was, that was one of the things is, you got to make sure the steps you have that everybody's in agreement on what the steps are and that they're written down somewhere. Um, well, let me jump in. I think yeah. the, if I can remember, <laughs> if I can, I'm going to tell you how to do it. I have never done this, of course, but the, 
what I've heard people talk about, like the military does this kind of thing a lot because they have so many people that have to be doing different processes. And the attitude is lay out your steps as though a person without any knowledge of the scenario has to follow them. Sure. And what ha- what happens when you're working with like your team is small, you all are very familiar with each other and you start to kind of assume that everyone's thinking like each other as that's just human. So what you have to do is say, all right, I'm all of a sudden sick with an ear infection. We have to get this done. Now, Rachel is going to walk in and do this for me. Right. And so you write your your steps and instructions, not for the other people on your team, but for this anonymous person scenario that says, you need to take this over and do this for me. And that's how they, this is how, that's how big teams do with the steps and processes well, where they don't write them for each other with the, like, it's, obje- it's very objective in that sense. And that sure. is how you do it. But I've never done that uh, myself, never felt like I needed to, but it's something for people to consider if you are writing up steps between a small team and everyone's like, I, I assume that, you know, Jane here will do all the steps I think she will. But then she's like, no, I always do it different. You're like, crap. So you yeah. write it for someone, not Jane, not yourself. Like, I need you to do this, these steps. And then you tell the whole team, everyone must follow this, even if it's out of the norm for you. That kind of approach is more like how the military does it, I believe. And I guess it works for them. I haven't heard, you know, <laughs> I assume they're better at those kind of things than what my dev team would be, but I don't know. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think the point you're making there is they've got to not to speak of people like, like inanimate objects. Yeah. They've got piece parts they can swap in and out. Um, they, they've got, they've got a developer who knows uh, Python, they can pull it from the next room over um, if they're, if the one working on the project goes downhill. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, that's, that makes perfect sense is you need to be writing it for the anonymous person who is not on your team. Um, and that you can only take that so far, right? Um, you, uh, even that you have to make assumptions on what they know. Um, and you're going to find, you're going to find yourself making it, you're going to find some assumptions that you've made incorrectly, um, which is okay. That's, uh, you know what, that's, that's part of figuring all this out. So, but, um, but yeah, that, that was, if there was one major takeaway is we got to get better at writing down, um, the steps and all agreeing to them before we go forward. Um, it worked out fine, but we, we, we also were, uh, in a touch of scrambling mode. Um, when one person was ready to go outside of maintenance mode and the others were like, well, wait a minute. No, we're not. Um, yeah. So that was, that was really the major takeaway. I would say other than that, um, verify all the as best you can verify all the things you can't test um yeah like i said we 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 went through a dry run 
Um, but that means we didn't actually do the thing. And when we went and did the thing, what we find, we found that our RabbitMQ server wasn't um, brought up to the same plan that the original was. Um, so go through everything that you're not testing. Go, yeah. go through. So, so what we should have done was we should have sat down and gone, okay. And this is what we did. This is, this is how we figured out the problem is when that one, that one third of, of clients weren't running, we're like, okay. And he, he came back to me about after 20 minutes, he's like, I don't know why this isn't working. Everything should be working. I'm like, okay, start at the beginning. And yeah. that, that was all like, start at the beginning. What, where should we start? And we start with a certain timestamp hits. And when that timestamp hits, these clients should be running. I said, what happens when those clients run? Walk through every step. And he's like, okay. He's like, okay, well, we start the, we, we send them to, to Celery. We send them to, to RabbitMQ. I'm like, okay, stop. Let's go check mm-hmm. those. And sure yeah. enough, that's where it was. Um, but if that wasn't it, we would have continued down the, the steps. Yeah. Um, and what we hadn't done was in, because that wasn't something we had tested, we hadn't gone and made sure that those things were all set up properly. Um, and be, and that that's the other thing is you have to verify those things that you can't test yeah. um, as best you can. Um, cause they, they're always going to be unseen. Um, and that's when you rely on the flexibility of your development team and, and their problem solving skills, which, which were on full display, um, this day and they did a great job. Um, but that's, that's where we ended up. So I, th- I think those are, those are the two biggest ones I can think of. Makes sense. I mean, it's. It's always, I mean, I remember trying to do big changes on systems, but they were always, I, I don't know, it was the, to me it felt easier because of either a small user base or I wasn't splitting up databases, like nothing on the scale of what you had to do there. Um, so I, in, my, and in most cases, the rollback would be really simple. It just right. wouldn't be that complex. That point of no return scenario, which a lot of companies have faced. The other, I think the other area I would say I've heard people doing, and this is kind of like test-driven development, is was there any point of the process that you could automate checks? Like, hey, write, write a script that then checks is this pointed at? Is this um, URL pointed at the right place for this client? Is the RabbitMQ um, back online? Like, I think some firms will take the time at a different scale kind of company where they say, "All right, they run a, a series of tests before the change, and they have a set of expectations after the change, and they run that, and they within seconds will find, oh wait, something is not right because of the very basics." Are not our script is finding things that we're not expecting. Um, that's yeah, hard. And, it's more code to write. I, I certainly think we could have written a script to check that all the URLs were pointing the right place. Um, that would not have made me comfortable enough. <laughs> yeah. um, 
because of the the size because of the not size but the importance of the change we made i wanted to lay eyes i want somebody to lay eyes on everything yeah um and make sure it was good now in the end we've got over 200 clients uh we we didn't make it we didn't hit all 200 we got through about 150 didn't find a single one that that was off and at that point we said we're 75 percent through and it's a fairly random selection we're comfortable with that going forward and at least turning off read-only mode while we continue checking. Yeah. Uh, so that was fine. And, and in the end, it turned out just fine. Um, but that's that was pretty much the case of I wouldn't have, tr- I, I wouldn't have trusted a script um, to check that. And I, I, I actually wanted, I was only going to be comfortable after we laid eyes on them. Yeah. Um, to make sure of it. Um, maybe if we had to do it numerous times, sure. Then, then I'd, I'd start to be a little bit more comfortable with the script. I'd want the script written by somebody different than who wrote the script to make the changes. Hmm. Um, just so that there's a different mindset, um, going into it. Um, but, yeah, that's my answer to that is I, I wouldn't have trusted a script for for that. Okay. Well, we there's a few problems with this episode compared to, <laughs> compared to previous. One, we didn't mention college football at all. That will <laughs> that'll hurt. Uh, at no point did you degrade Apple at all. And at what? no point did we argue where I, you were wrong and I was right, um, or vice versa, which isn't going to happen anyway. So it's a much different episode where we yeah. actually talk through an experience with a very even-keeled mindset, which means our ratings will drop significantly, and I'll have people go, "You should really, you all should argue more. Go back to the, exactly. Go back to the more recent episodes." <laughs> For sure, uh, yeah. Not not the college football part of it. They're probably not looking forward to that, but they 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 probably do <laughs> like the arguing. And and but I know I, the majority. I know the majority of people are on my side regarding Apple anyway, so that's all right. Probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good way to think about it in your shoes. The um, I w- but it's got to feel good after all of the after you get through this change and the system runs for a while. You can kind of like take a deep breath and not have to worry about um, like, you're not going to make an immediate huge change in the near future, or at least you don't have to worry about it. So that, like, that's, I, I do remember the feeling of like, okay, we got over this scaling hump yeah. and, and in a way, like I, there's nothing that you said about the experience that I was like, whoa, why didn't you just do that later? Like sometimes I see companies do the scaling change and they just try to move the whole house. They try to change the code base. They try to, to maybe change the client and the server at the same time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like th- you need to break all of these things up. And if they truly don't affect each other, do not scale. Like usually the, the biggest scaling efforts I usually hear are people changing from the monolithic code base to the 
server oriented or server, whatever the hell the SOA. And even then I'm like, why the heck would you switch everything at once? Like keep that monolith as long as you can and break out small services. Like this whole idea of a, we got to change everything at once is so dangerous. And right. I didn't hear that in you, what you were doing. Like it sounded very isolated. We need to change our persistence layer to work better. But you didn't say, well, we also decided to change a bunch of reporting systems in the same time. Like, no, 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 don't do, don't do that if you don't have to. Right. Well, I, I and and in in the spirit of full disclosure, um, I, I kept talking about splitting the database um, up. What we truly did was we truly replicated the whole Heroku environment. So we've got three yeah. Heroku environments running. Um, for, for those clients now. And, and we did that again because we were in a mode of we need to get this done by fall. Yeah. We, we spent too much time on a previous feature to where we could fully build out what we wanted to build out, which is what I, I was talking about, about database per client. We call that the backend portability project, which is yeah. where we can move, we can move data wherever we need to move it. Um, we, we said, Hey, to get it done by fall, we just need to duplicate everything um, yes. and just have, and, and the good, now, is there some cost involved in that? Yes. You know what? It, it In the end, the cost is minimal to the gains we made. Um, yeah. I got, I got to say, I love that approach you took on that. Like you didn't yeah. bring that up earlier, but dang it, like that is smart. Like you're, you're stuck right now in the scenario that if you make it, if you don't, if you don't combine the code bases, you will have to make changes on all three. Right. But temporarily, you got your your persistence layer scaled, and now you can go back later and consolidate the code bases to be more efficient in terms of the cost. But you took it step by step. Right. And that's awesome. Like that's the approach I love to hear about when folks are do- making a big change. You don't try to be perfect at once. You don't try to be the most efficient at once. That's what you strive for over time that doesn't overwhelm. Um, and you get the job done in, in the time frame you need. So that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. And, and, and we have learnings that we can now take forward as well. Now, it, yes, where, where we want to go is we want to be able to run um run from one Heroku environment to all these disparate databases or from a select number of Heroku environments to all these disparate databases. Um, mm-hmm. But in the end, this this was the least impactful, least, um, yeah. least risk. Um, it was let duplicate environments and be done with it. Uh, again, yeah. we're taking we're taking some dollars hits for that and that's okay. Um, they're, they're, they're not significant to where we're, we're, we're mortgaging the company's future to take shortcuts. Yeah. That's not what we did at all. You, um, but you also preserved client confidence, no downtime, right. no, no right. change in service. There's no way you could, I, I'm going to take a big guess here, but I don't feel that whatever extra cost you're paying are anywhere near what would happen if a client went down right at the beginning of the school year. Right. Um, I just can't fathom because, that. Because Heroku's, if a client went down, multiple clients were going down. Um, yeah. Because the, the, it, it would have been an overload. 
Um, and, and we've seen performance gains since we did this. So that's, that's, it was, the, the cost was minimal to, to the benefits we got out of it. Yeah. I mean, the moral of the story might be while your efforts to scale are about efficiency in the end, over the long run, the process to make the scaling changes, you should allow for inefficiencies in a few right. scenarios because the gains over the long term are better. The stability is maintained. And really, unless you quit working on it today, you're going to make changes that get you back to the efficiency you want. Um, I, fe- I wish more managers and um, folks in these scenarios would think creatively where efficiency isn't always the answer. Well, and on every level. Sure, sure. And, and the reason I, I wanted to make that distinction was I also wanted to make the point that because we've done it once, we can now do it as many times as we want. Yeah. Um, if we ever get to the point where, where we're starting to get overloaded again, we can split it up again and be done with it. Um, now, like I said, back in portability is, is our next big back, um, back of house project. Um, non-business facing is the way I'll put it. It's our, it's our yeah. next big non-business facing project. And that'll, that'll allow us to be able to move data wherever we want and, and, and do what we need to do. That, that's also going to allow us to trim data um, to, to, um, to back up history and put some history on a, on a database on ICE but yet not have it in the main database so that we can keep the size of the database smaller um, and so on and so forth. So that's, that's a lot of what we're, we're headed for next. We made this change to, to help us through the, the fall terms. Um, and then by spring, I think we'll be in back in portability and we'll be able to we'll be even further along. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. It, 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 it was exciting. Um, we did that on Wednesday. We had, we have Monday morning meetings with everyone and Monday morning was like, we just, no, it wasn't Monday. It was Tuesday because Monday was, was Labor Day. Yeah. We're like, we just pulled that off. We just <laughs> made a major change and we saw very little negative impact. Yeah. Um, we spent two hours the night of fixing the RabbitMQ stuff. Was it two hours? It was probably an hour and a half. We spent about that time fixing the RabbitMQ stuff. But other than that, it all ran fine. And some of our larger clients are seeing performance gains. So awesome. it worked out great. Well, that's that's great. I mean, that's cool. Um, so that's how you want those things to go. So exactly. I think, exactly. This is a great ep- I think this is a great episode um, just... To hear about other, like I, I want to, I like to hear about these types of efforts because it's one of those things that because every every company doing a scaling thing is really isolated. It's really hard to generalize how to deal with all these yeah. scenarios, but so you don't hear about them that much. But I think it's great to hear not just an abstract like, hey. You know, in general, here's the top 10 things you should do in scaling or in, in a major change. It's more of like, here's how we dealt with our particular scenario. Take what you can from it. You know, I right. think that's, right. the, I like to hear those stories too. So, for sure. You know, great. I think that's a good topic. For sure. All right. Awesome. I think we're good for the week. Uh, What's up for you next week? 
I, you know what? Not anything to that scale, which is the, <laughs> which is good news. <laughs> um, not actually not a whole lot. Um, I'm trying to get a kick this, uh, kick this ear infection. I think I've got it down enough to where I can go officiate some high school football tonight. Um, get nice. yelled at by some more coaches, some more kids. So that'll be good. Um, and then, uh, nothing, nothing big project wise. Um, for, for any of the, cl- I, actually, I take that back over the next week and a half, two weeks, we're going to be making a change for construction specialties from pieced together email systems. So yeah. we've got people on various Gmail accounts, but not G for bit Google for business accounts. We're going to take all that and push it towards outlook. Everybody on Outlook, everybody through Exchange, everybody through one mail server, that sort of thing. Um, so that's another change we're making. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I if that makes sense to eventually get to that point when you have a, so many different people talking. Probably makes yeah. sense from compliance efforts, too. What about you? Uh, next week... I'm going to be have I'm be splitting time between a couple of projects, some changes for a client on a Rails app, and we're getting closer to testing the React Native Firebase app. So split work there. Um, some personal projects that I think I'll reveal later that aren't that are interesting. Sure. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else big right now. Oh. My wife, uh, Megan, is has just taken on a new, an, an additional WordPress-based project really revolving around accessibility. So nice. that's kind of a new thing for her. And I might have to learn a few things because she's doing, she's doing more research on it than I have to have done in the past. So sure. I'll be a, the kind of the backup for that. And yeah, that should take up most of next week. It's uh, oh, cool. it's interesting. Usually, this time of the year is always like after Labor Day is like hit the ground, slammed with the new stuff. But thankfully, I've managed things so that oh, everything is cool. We'll just keep working on what we got going. So that's a it's a nice difference of the typical labor post Labor Day week for me. So sure, that's it. Very good. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk again next week. Correct. Later. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by PremiumBeat.com, voiceover work by MeganVoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.